0: Hi, I'm Debbie Georges welcome to my show America can we talk today we're going to talk about Baghdadi killed and the Washington Post exposed Sidney Powell's latest Flynn filing the Dems in a panic over the Durham investigation and Islam LGBTQ and socialism truth under siege in America and I'll tell you why these stories matter to you stay tuned I am Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. Hello again and welcome again to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Everyone heard on Saturday night and Sunday morning that there was a major victory in the war on terror when U.S. troops uh, over in Syria killed this Islamic leader, the leader of ISIS, and I want to start by just showing you before I tell you a little bit more about this. This leader uh, was killed by our forces along with uh, assistance from the Kurds. And I want to just play, ask you first, uh, I Matt the Wonderful is on vacation. Now I have Derek the Wonderful helping out today. So Derek, I want to actually, actually ask you please to put up clip two first. It's just a picture of the Washington Post headline that we shall discuss. But there we can get it full screened. If you can see with that guy, this is the Washington Post headline. This is about al-Baghdadi, Abu Bakar al-Baghdadi. They described him as an austere religious scholar at the helm of Islamic State, dies at 48. Okay, there are many, many parodies on Twitter, such as, Hitler, local painter, dies in accident or just other ridiculous characterizations. This guy who was very fortunately for the world killed by American troops was the leader of ISIS. His name, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi. I can't even say his name correctly. Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi. I want to hit several points on his first five about why this matters so much. Number one, it matters a lot that the Washington Post describing the leader of one of the most extremely evil, violent, terrorist organizations who act on their belief in Islam. One of the most radical organizations in the world, ISIS, that has literally beheaded hundreds, if not thousands of people, burned people alive, raped and pillaged villages. The leader is finally caught, and their characterization of him is austere. I actually got to be wondering if maybe I had not, um, I misunderstood the meaning of the word austere, you know, because to me it was kind of, kind of serious but austere just sounds almost like reverential austere means severe in manner self disciplined solemn not murderous evil horrible human being but instead they call him austere just think about for a moment how many levels of review at the washington post did that headline go through and no one said hey wait a minute we're talking about killing Baghdadi, and we're calling him austere. We're calling him a religious scholar. He's a murderer. He's a cold-blooded murderer, orchestrating, engaging in, orchestrating, ordering murders of millions of not millions, thousands of innocent people. And we're, that's the best we can do in the headline. No one in the Washington Post seemed to care about that very much. So there we had that was the first point in my first five today about this takedown of Baghdadi by American troops. It was a beautiful thing. Second thing I want to talk about was that President Trump had to say about it. He held a press conference, widely criticized afterwards. I'm going to play a short segment right now with Derek the Wonderful sitting in today to play. I want to hear what what President Trump had to say. And then I want to share a few really important thoughts about that. Here's President Trump. Last night, the United States brought the world's number one terrorist leader to justice. Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi is dead. He was the founder and leader of ISIS, the most ruthless and violent terror organization anywhere in the world. The United States has been searching for Baghdadi for many years. Capturing or killing Baghdadi has been the top national security priority of my administration. U.S. Special Operations Forces executed a dangerous and daring nighttime raid in Northwestern Syria and accomplished their mission in grand style. I'm telling you folks, he said more than that. And to be clear, he did. President Trump did describe it later in that press conference He described how this leader who had literally this terrorist fanatical murderer had panicked in the last minutes of his life, realized that American forces, along with the Kurd forces, had actually located him in northern Syria. They were going to track him down. He went into a tunnel, which it turned out had no end to it, grabbed three of his children, and when he realized he could not escape the American troops, he detonated a suicide vest. So he was blew himself into many pieces. President Trump described in this press conference this morning or yesterday morning described how Baghdadi died begging whining crying and he was very clearly mocking and demeaning him and you know there were people who said this will just stimulate more hatred among Islam this will just stimulate a new leader to step forward so you know, if we don't have this guy now and get somebody else he didn't do any good so i want to just point out that present several really important things number 1 is President Trump did not say, and no one thinks that somehow, now that we killed Baghdadi, that all of a sudden ISIS will be done. All of a sudden Islam will be a religion of peace. All of a sudden the entire ISIS forces around the world will drop arms and say, "Okay, we surrender. No one said said or thought anything like that. The question of whether or not President Trump should have sound so gleeful about the execution of this horrific fanatical terrorist murderer, whether he should have been so happy about it, I don't even agree with the critics who are critical of him about that. Number one, ISIS will go on. They already have a new leader, one of the former uh, leaders in, uh, an, I believe from Iraq, one of the former leaders under. Um, uh, yeah, in fact, I have a picture of him, yes, he's not a very friendly looking guy. ISIS has a new leader in a former Sudan Hussein officer, Abdullah Kardashian. So he's already, you know, taken over day-to-day operations of ISIS. So, of course, there's a new leader. But people, especially high-level people, James Clapper, former head of the DNI, former director of national intelligence, he actually said was criticizing the idea that Trump should be celebrating the death of this man, that they'll just encourage more people to step up and take his place, encourage more people to support ISIS. I want to suggest something totally the opposite of that. ISIS and Hezbollah. All sorts of Islamic terror organizations around this world regularly threaten to kill innocent people, regularly engage in the killing of innocent people, regularly announce a plan to take over the world. There's going to be a caliphate and Islam is going to be in charge and Sharia is going to be the law. They announce their efforts. They embolden those Islamic, the evil Islamic terror organizations in this world, entice young people, especially young men, in America and other places in the world to get on board, to say, wow, this is great, I want to be part of that, yeah, let's get out there, I want to be part of ISIS, I want to be part of Al Qaeda, I want to be part of Hezbollah, I want to be engaged in killing people. Those leaders of those evil organizations regularly entice people to join their organizations by broadcasting what they're going to be doing. So. Isn't it actually more possible that President Trump's willingness to beat his chest a little bit? And it wasn't even his chest. He was praising our troops, praising our our special forces in Syria, praising them for being tough and getting the job done he, by his tone, and demeanor, he's telling this next Al-Qaeda leader, you know what, don't get too comfy. The next Al-Qaeda leader, again, his name is Abdullah Kardash, he was a former officer under Saddam Hussein, nicknamed the Destroyer, I think the Destroyer, um, and whoever else steps up in ISIS leadership is actually far more likely to listen to President Trump and think, dang. This guy is not like Obama. This guy is serious. He might actually come after me. He might actually seek me out and try to do something to me. I don't see anything wrong with the president and other leaders being strong and proud of our forces, strong in our statement to the world. We will not permit terror to persist we will fight terrorists at every turn every place in this world we are not apologetic about that we are not going to say gee sure sorry about the loss of human life we're going to say yeah actually you but we want you to be worried too isis and al-qaeda and every other organization like this this was a a message it wasn't a personal boastful message it was a message of yeah america's back America, the country that's going to stand up and fight, stand up and stop terrorists, stand up and take out the bad guys. And it's kind of interesting because this has all happened in northern Syria. And you you likely recall the big fuss last week when President Trump announced we're pulling our U.S. forces away from that Syrian border because the Turkish invasion was going to happen and the Kurds were in the middle of it and America was accused, actually, of abandoning the Kurds. But actually what happened, the Kurds and the Americans together took out Baghdadi, not point one. And number two, this operation now revealed was actually being planned two weeks ago before President Trump pulled our troops back. Perhaps pulling our troops back, enabling this to happen in a better, safer, and more secretive way. Perhaps deluding this Baghdadi guy, maybe him thinking I'm even safer now. Look, the Americans are leaving, and here I am hiding out in northern Syria. No one knows where I am. Last point about this big news out of Washington is this. President Trump did not consult the Democrat leadership of the Congress over before this planned raid and killing of Baghdadi. Nancy Pelosi is complaining about this. Adam Schiff, uh, no, Schiff is, representative Schiff is complaining about this. Other people, Demo- high-level Democrats are saying, basically, this isn't really right. You know we shouldn't have the president. He should have consulted. Nancy Pelosi actually had some statement about the need for America and our leadership to have the full breadth of st- military strategy available before taking on an action like this. And President Trump responded to that this morning and basically said, look, I did not consult the leading Democrats in the House because they leak, because they can't be trusted, because everything I tell them gets leaked out, because they spent the last two and a half years leaking any everything they could to hurt Trump to hurt, ultimately, the voters who supported President Trump. So Trump, President Trump had a great answer. He said, you know what? Yeah, I didn't consult them. I'm sure the Constitution doesn't require the president to consult the leadership in the House. I mean, he is the commander in chief. It may be past protocol and it may be really wise past protocol to have the president consult with high level leaders of both parties in the Congress. However, this is not a time when the one, ha- one of the two parties in Washington is behaving with even a modicum of seriousness, even even a hint of seriousness about the jobs they hold, the reverence for the Constitution, their, the importance of the role they hold to be the leaders in this country. The Democrat Party has been dedicated since the moment President Trump was announced as the, in the winner of the 2016 elections in November 2016. They have been determined, above all else, to take him out of office. They have veered off course, failed to engage in any reasonable, responsible legislating, failed to do anything. And since they've had the majority in 2018, and the Democrats have had the majority in the House, all they have done is try to find a way to take out President Trump. And now they're saying, Jim, he didn't consult with us. On a serious note, folks, I don't think this is a good precedent. I actually think there's some wisdom long term and in general terms, or maybe in the abstract, with the idea of the president consulting the leaders of the House before engaging in an action like this. Having said that, Facts matter. Context matters. Truth matters. Where we are is we have the U.S. House, all they do all day long. In fact, President Trump had a meeting in the White House uh, that related to Syria and other matters. And Nancy Pelosi stomped out. It was like 10 days ago or something. She stomped out. You cannot expect to be treated like a serious leader of America and behave the way the Democrats in the U.S. House are, are behaving. You cannot expect the president to treat you as though this is business as usual. Trump did not personally go over to northern Syria and take out Baghdadi. He obviously consulted with military experts, with people within his administration who are actually trustworthy and who have America's best interests at heart. I'm sure he consulted with some of them. But the idea of Nancy Pelosi, Democrat leader, complaining that Trump didn't come and ask her first, given the way she is conducting and leading, if you can call it leading, the Democrats in the U.S. House, really put Trump in a position where he genuinely, truly cannot trust them. And if he can't be trusted, he's not going to tell you what he's about to do in taking out, really, the world's number one terrorist. So, Yang, congratulations for our own soldiers, for people fighting over for to preserve America, keep America safe, for taking out Baghdadi, uh, who, by the way, did you realize we had him, Baghdadi, this guy was killed over the weekend. America had him in custody in a prison in Iraq, the Bukha Prison in Iraq, Baghdadi was imprisoned, and released, imprisoned as a terrorist, as a dangerous terrorist, released under President Obama in 2009. So here we had that unleashed. And we, and but one last thing, I just have to share with you: there were two different families in this country who lost loved ones, lost children, adult children, to. ISIS and in particular to Baghdadi's operations. One was the family of James Foley. The other one was Kyla Mueller, K-A-Y-L-A. Kyla Mueller. Both of them were victims of ISIS, specifically under uh, Baghdadi's leadership. And both those families issued beautiful statements saying, "Thank goodness, we finally have a president who will fight back against the enemies who are killing our children." And that, my friends, is today's first five well sydney powell who we've had in the show uh many times and we'll have her on again i'm sure she is the uh attorney representing lieutenant general michael flynn if there ever ever was a perfect match for the prosecutors in the F- in the department of justice who came after lieutenant general michael flynn and needing to meet their match in an attorney representing Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, it would be Sidney Powell. Sidney Powell has just unleashed a filing. I wanna just give you a hint of it because it's really important to understand, this isn't really so much about, you know, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn himself. It is about him and what the Department of Justice did to him, which was completely unbearably wrong, corrupt, and and um, just just unjustified. This is an injustice needing to be corrected. But it's also what Sidney Powell's doing for the American public and for Attorney General Barr and for people who care about how the institutions in Washington we can trust, like the Department of Justice and the FBI. She's exposing the level of corruption, the determination of people inside the FBI and the Department of Justice to take down candidate trump and then later president trump she is exposing by her diligent work the things she's put together that were in this filing that went to the court last week to be really clear lieutenant general michael flynn did plead guilty and he's awaiting sentencing the dispute now for sydney powell and the department of justice before judge emmett Sullivan is this did the department of justice withhold documents Did they withhold Brady evidence? That's just the name of the case that is established law. You're required if you are the Department of Justice or even state level prosecutors, you're required to turn over to the attorney for the accused or turn over to the accused evidence that would be exculpatory evidence that would tend to show that the accused is actually not guilty. This is one of the main arguments that he has been making over and over is That the Department of Justice never turned over the exculpatory evidence they had related to Lieutenant General Michael Flynn before the time he got arm twisted into making a guilty plea. So she's been filing motions asking for the court, Judge Emmett Sullivan, to order further turning over Brady evidence. The Department of Justice lawyers have been saying... We already gave you everything you're entitled to. You know, we look at stuff. We've seen it all. We've decided you only get this and, and therefore you're not entitled to the things that you want to have. What Sidney Powell, and this is only the result of a diligent, uh, determined, tireless fighter for her client, Sidney Powell uncovered through looking at evidence that was ultimately made available, information ultimately made available through various Freedom of Information Act requests that where you got more information, more content, text messages, information Congress has finally gotten a hold of. She had to cull through all of that to come up with these arguments. And her basic argument is this, the FBI and ultimately the DOJ that prosecuted him, the FBI entrapped Lieutenant General Michael Flynn with manipulated evidence. Say that again. She's arguing that the FBI entrapped Lieutenant General Michael Flynn with manipulated evidence. And what she's got to point to are actual documents To be really clear, the DOJ still will not turn over all these things she's demanding. She's saying that she should be entitled to. And so there's motions in front of Judge Emmett Sullivan saying, you know, should he, because he has the authority to order the DOJ. Yeah, you need to produce this stuff or order the FBI. Yes, you have to produce this stuff. But right now, her motion she filed last week, I want to give you a flavor of where she's going with it. So first of all, I I saw several articles. I'm just going to say this little piece. It's only a minor point, but this is a woman lawyer, a woman lawyer defending Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, first name is Sydney, which is S I D N E Y, Sydney. Anyway, so Sydney filed a 37 page brief. She showcased throughout the brief the prosecution's withholding of evidence and also exposing significant new evidence that the defense team has uncovered that establishes, and these are the essentially the words that Sydney Powell is saying, a concerted effort to entrap Flynn. She's describing what occurred inside the FBI and the DOJ, a concerted effort to entrap Flynn. She actually put together this, to be really, the, the, um, the actual motion by Sidney Powell hasn't been released, but major portions of it have, a little bit redacted, but major portions have She put together a timeline using reported text messages that were withheld from the defense team at the time uh, Lieutenant General Michael Finn was being prosecuted. And these are are things that are still sealed from public view. She lays out evidence showing that, and these are her words, a team of high-ranking FBI officials orchestrated an ambush interview of the new President's National Security Advisor, not for the purpose of discovering any evidence of criminal activity, They already had tapes of all the relevant conversations about which they wanted to question him. They'd already taped everything. And we've been over this before in this show. We've talked about how they were taping using their FISA court warrants. They were taping all sorts of people. So when they went to ask Flynn questions, they weren't really going to ask Lieutenant General Michael Flynn questions to learn the answers. They were trying to see based on information they already have. Could they entrap him? Could they put him in a place to make statements that they could then claim were false? So she starts with FBI agent Peter Strzok, a text to FBI attorney Lisa Page, who was also his lover, um, but I digress. Anyway, as news of the salacious and unverified allegations of the Steele dossier dominated the media, this is Strzok. Texting page sitting with bill watching CNN a ton more out. We're discussing whether now now that this is out We can use it as a pretext to go interview some people a sealed statement by struck Powell reveals over the next two weeks There are many meetings many meetings inside the FBI and DOJ between struck fbi director andrew mccabe we'll get to him in a moment to discuss whether to interview national security advisor michael flynn and if so what interview strategies to use on january 23rd the day before the interview the upper echelon of the fbi met to orchestrate it all deputy director mccabe general counsel james baker lisa page peter struck david Bowditch, trish anderson and jen boone strategized to talk with Mr. Flynn in such a way as to keep from alerting him from understanding that he was being interviewed in a criminal investigation of which he was the target. You know, I feel like America has become so jaded that you might listen to what I just said just read to you and say well okay you know they were everyone knows they were on the team to get Trump so this is FBI they're on the team to get Trump you know and then you have over here you have Lieutenant General Michael Flynn he's working for Trump they wanted to get him we have gotten almost jaded in this country that when you read something like that you don't have the reaction which should be the reaction of every American holy cow these people were were conspiring to set up the national security adviser of this country because they wanted to take Trump down, because they wanted to find a way to get Trump. So they're conspiring inside the FBI for ways to ask him questions so we won't realize that he's really a criminal target. I mean, that alone is a, should be prosecutable. It is unbelievable that the The highest levels. These aren't some goofball, you know, people in the street corner, Occupy Wall Street morons. These are the the highest levels of the FBI and the Department of Justice sitting around trying to think how to get Trump's new national security adviser, how to dupe him into making statements that they could then claim were false. And as we've talked about in the show many times making a false statement of the fbi is a felony even if you're not have not sworn under penalty of perjury to give testimony, just making a false statement. They're working, striving to set him up. Next thing that Comey, at that time, Comey's still involved, Comey's direction to, in his terms, screw it, in contravention of longstanding DOJ protocols, encouraging McCabe to personally call Flynn to schedule the interview. you got to get your head in this mindset. President Trump is president now. At this time, this is occurring. Flynn is his national security advisor, a move, by the way, many people champion at the time. He's a great guy, a hero, a long-serving military, you know, just just a great, fabulous choice. So Comey is trying to add to the impression Lieutenant General Michael Flynn would receive when he's asked to give an interview. Comey is participating in the effort to delude Lieutenant General Michael Flynn to thinking that this is just a friendly interview. The president is the president. You know, he's Republican. I'm in his administration. This is a Republican, you know, executive branch. Now we have the FBI and the FBI is it's okay. if we, we still have holdovers because now we understand we're not under Obama anymore. We're under the new president. Unbeknownst to Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, all these characters inside the FBI and DOJ are still in their heads, loyal to Obama, loyal to the effort to take President Trump down. Taking down his National Security Advisor would be would have been a, and was a great first step. Ultimately, they're hoping, of course, to get they want to get Flynn to flip and somehow give them something so they could get Trump. One also, They also had Obama holdover. Deputy Attorney General Sally Yates candidly opined that the interview was problematic. It wasn't always clear what the FBI was doing to investigate Flynn. I mean, she's – anyway, so let me move on from her, though. So then there were – there's texts also confirmed – and these are crucial things – Flynn was prosecuted for lying to the FBI. Text also confirmed. Strzok said he did not believe Flynn was lying. They didn't believe Flynn was lying. Comey's acknowledged the FBI talked to him even after this whole conspiring setup meeting and they go to talk to him, they don't think he's lying, which is what he was ultimately prosecuted for. But then there are forms that the FBI fills out after they interview people. It turns out in February 10, 2017, the news broke, attributed to senior intelligence officials, that Flynn had discussed sanctions with Ambassador Kislyak, contrary to what Vice President Pence had said on television. Following the leak overnight, and you have to understand this, the FBI has already had the interview with Flynn. They've already said he wasn't lying. And then it comes to light that Flynn's conversation with, with Ambassador Kislyak, caused Vice President Pence concern, thought he wasn't maybe getting a straight answer. So overnight, Flynn's 302, the form the FBI uses to write down notes, here's what he said, we said, he said, here's the summary of the interview, was changed. They changed the form, it's called the 302, but changed the form. In a substantive way, overnight, it was a deceptive, and this is now Sidney Powell's, uh, in her pleading, a deceptive manipulation because, as the notes of the agent show, Flynn wasn't even sure he had spoken to Russia, Kislyak, on this issue. So, she says, he talked of do- to dozens of countries. So, this is now the FBI changing their notes after the interview, after the interview's done, the notes are made, they've all agreed he wasn't lying, but they see a way to get Lieutenant General Michael Flynn by changing the content of the 302, the notes. And then I mean, these are, it goes on and on, I, I could read on and on, but I wanted to get you this idea that, number one, Sidney Powell was doing a yeoman's job, a hero's job, in exposing what happened inside the FBI, DOJ, trying to take down President Trump. There also was a, um, a, an allegation in these new documents that have been turned over that uh, Clapper, James Clapper, DNI, had allegedly issued the kill shot order, Yeah, go ahead and do it, just, just get this done. Last thing I'll mention for today on this topic, and then um, I want to come back to this another time fairly soon. But there's a new book out by Lee Smith, and this is actually a book. I had someone approach me several months ago to say, Do you know that Devin Nunes is writing a book? You know, Congressman Devin Nunes is writing a book, and um, you should try to get him on your show. Well, he, I, It was back and forth with his person. But the bottom line was the book was a little bit delayed. He's going to come to, you know, Dallas, do some tour talking about. But it's not Devin Nunes book. It is a book by an author named Lee Smith. But the book is about what Devin Nunes figured out, how he figured out what the Democrats with the DOJ and FBI were up to trying to take down President Trump. Devin Nunes, brilliant member of Congress. Put this together very early. Lee put together what we're now finally seeing unfold. So we have this Lee Smith book coming out. I think actually tomorrow or this week. I think he basically in this book. In reporting what Devin Nunes figured out, author Lee Smith is writing, that there was a multifaceted criminal conspiracy to destroy former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn. It was launched by persons across the national security state apparatus and it was in part launched because they were concerned about him, Michael Flynn being such a straight arrow, beginning to do reviews of the security state apparatus, did not want audits of the intelligence agency's operations. This was the other reason they decided they had to take out Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. We shall continue following this story. I'll bring you more about it. But this is, these are momentous. Okay, one more point on this story. These are momentous times in America. Because this is the first time, at least I know of, when the entire apparatus of the national security of our country, the FBI, the Department of Justice, it seems almost clear as, as can be, the CIA and John Brennan, all colluding together on behalf of the Obama administration and the Democrat Party, to destroy a Republican candidate, which is ultimately and please keep this in mind, ultimately to destroy the right of the American people to choose their president. These people decided that they knew better and they're going to take him down and the American people are just going to take it. What you're watching happening now, this impeachment over nothing, is just a continuation of the same mindset that started inside the FBI and DOJ. They don't have to put up with a choice the American people made for president that they don't like, they think they are smarter, better, they know better what's good for America. They don't think they just have to put up with it. So huge story to be following, must, must, because the ultimate thing, if we don't really clean out the FBI, the DOJ, the CIA, everybody involved, everybody who enabled it, everyone who stayed silent, if we don't clean these people out, we will have established that this kind of conduct is acceptable at the highest levels of power in the United States of America, that you can have a literally a kangaroo court, a a mockery of of the institutions that were created by our laws in our country, a mockery of the structure of government created by the Constitution, all because the American left was really, really bothered that Donald Trump managed to win the election and they felt they were justified in taking him out by any means possible. Next story I want to hit on, uh, this is uh, actually really, really interesting what's happening in Washington. There's pure, pure flat-out panic in the minds of Democrats in Washington as they realize that the Durham investigation, this is now to be clear, with inside the Department of Justice you have Attorney General Barr who's told Congress clearly there was spying on the Trump campaign uh, during his campaign, clearly ongoing after he was elected. Clearly, there was effort use of the uh, FISA warrants, and the, DO, the FBI to spy on the Trump team. And he, Attorney General Barr, said months ago to Congress that he was going to investigate get to the bottom of it. The reason what is the reason for the launching of this Russia Trump collusion hoax? What is the predicate? What is the genesis? How did it get started? So. Attorney General Barr saying, we're doing this. The Democrats thought nothing they did. And the DOJ and yep, the FBI thought nothing they did would ever see the light of day because Hillary Clinton would win the race in 2016 and all be swept under the rug. Barr saying, not so fast. So he's looking into the beginnings of the Russia-Trump collusion, what happened. And he has assigned a U.S. attorney uh, who is now uh, deeply, deeply, uh, Attorney General uh, U.S. Attorney Durham, deeply looking into... Uh, what exactly happened and how it got started and who facilitated it. There are dozens of people in Washington very, very, very worried. This past week, the one little after, since my last show last Thursday, uh, the one development, uh, particular one to mention was that there's now acknowledgement that this has gone from an investigation uh, into a criminal investigation. There, this has crossed a line into a criminal investigation which isn't just a scary term, a scary label, it carries power with it for the investigators moving forward, the DOJ, to get to the bottom of it because now they're investigating a crime. So people know inside Washington that the uh, criminal investigation is happening. Um, So I wanna just mention two or three or four (coughs) four maybe, um, pieces of evidence of what tells you how panicked the Democrats are. Number one, You have not only the Washington Post, you know, the kind of left-wing news, but you have the media and Democrat leaders starting to actually say out loud in public that it looks like President Trump is using the Department of Justice for political purposes. I want you to let that sink in. These people who orchestrated, who permitted, who enabled, who hid, who helped uh, tried to sweep under the rug. This massive effort inside the DOJ and FBI to take down candidate Trump and then President Trump are now lamenting to the American people that trying to get to the bottom of what they did that investigation, what Barr and Durham are doing, that investigation is what you're supposed to think of as the DOJ using its power against its political enemies. I mean to tell you, the uh, in fact, a statement by one of them. I, I think this was Adam Schiff. I'm going to tell you who it was. Um, yeah, Adam Schiff said, "William Barr, are you our, our U.S. Attorney General, William Barr? This is Schiff's quote. Is Trump's?" tool. He's weaponizing the Justice Department to go after the President's enemies. I mean if they gave a Nobel Peace Prize for audacity, for you know hypocrisy and steroids, he would have to win it. Schiff would win. The idea, the entire coup to take down Trump was ongoing. This was okay with Schiff. This was okay. But the idea that someone wants to get to the bottom of it, that, my friends, Schiff is saying, is contortion twisting the use of the Justice Department. I mean, the idea that he can even look himself in the mirror and not just turn red and faint with embarrassment is beyond belief. So that is one line you'll see out of the Democrat media mob, left-wingers in Washington, Washington Post, all sorts of the left-wing news is. Oh, look what Trump is doing now. He's using the DOJ for, to attack his political enemies, which is what he's doing is uncovering how the DOJ and the FBI were used by the previous administration to attack their enemies. This it, it's, it's almost unbelievable. The second thing I was going to mention was um, it turns out that Andrew McCabe, um, you know, you may remember when he was let go by the FBI, he uh, before long he filed a wrongful termination lawsuit. Okay. He, as you're just hearing, Sidney Powell recounting, he's on the team inside the DOJ and FBI talking about how to entrap Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, how to bring him down. That guy finally gets fired, and he sues the, the FBI for wrongful termination. This was several months ago. But when I, I in this little segment, I'm talking about the panic setting in on the Democrat side, he has withdrawn his lawsuit. He's saying, never mind about that wrongful termination suit. Now, there are people saying it probably is true that, you know, if he's going to be accused of a crime, which I'm almost sure he will be, McCabe, you know, you have a Fifth Amendment right to not incriminate yourself. A Fifth Amendment right to say, I refuse to testify, you know, take five, I refuse to testify. But you can waive that privilege against self-incrimination if you're volunteering to speak in public, if you're volunteering, as he is in this litigation. So a lot of people are saying, you know, he realized I'm in deep yogurt in this investigation. Durham is doing. I'm probably going to be charged and I better get this lawsuit, the wrongful termination lawsuit dismissed. Before someone can argue, I've already waived my Fifth Amendment privilege against self-incrimination by all this stuff I've been saying in this lawsuit. So we have um, – in fact, I was mentioned, to mention something. So, so we have him obviously panicking, going, never mind about that, I'm not going to sue you about the wrongful termination. I want to mention one other thing that um, Attorney General Barr did. There was a press conference actually just this morning <clears> – <throat> I couldn't get the clip fast enough to have it ready for you today. But he was asked, Barr was asked about these statements by Schiff and members of the left-wing media mob media about, you know, this is Barr weaponizing a DOJ against the president's enemies, the bar is in Trump's pocket. And, you know, I gotta tell you, Barr is so unflappable. Attorney General Bill Barr, just unflappable. He's had an interview, I guess, with Fox this morning. He defended the independence and integrity of this investigation, he reminded people that U.S. Attorney John Durham has been chosen by Democrats in the past to do special investigations because he is known for his fairness, he is known for his uh, not being biased, he's known for just his integrity. So he's saying, look, Democrats have been fine with him in the past, he's known for being nonpartisan, he's known for being thorough, he's known for being fair, and so he really Uh, brushed aside all this attempt by the left to create some issue about how Durham is somehow politically biased. So this investigation, I mean, it it is about to really, really break open. We're going to talk about that later in the week, all the pieces falling in place. But this investigation into the the genesis of the entire Trump-Russia collusion hoax, of what, the, what happened inside the FBI and their targeting of all sorts of innocent people, the CIA apparently orchestrating all the Papadopoulos, etc. stuff. All that's going to be coming out, it appears, in the next few months. Very, very, very treacherous territory politically for today's Democrat Party. Last story I want to hit in just a couple quick minutes. There was a great piece this morning on American Thinker. and. I want to urge you to go to it. American Thinker uh, is a, um, you know, it's just an I guess called news aggregator. You know, it's a it collects blogs and columns. Anyway, it was called in the age of leftism. And I actually I do uh, political analysis sometimes for uh, other news outlets. And so I did an interview this morning on this topic. But this author in this piece called in the age of leftism listed it is a three page list item 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 of craziness in this country that seems to pass for being normal being true and it is and she and the author's point is essentially as a woman um, valerie sobel is the author she's making the point we live in this era where the left just says crazy things crazy after crazy after crazy and we begin to get to where People, you just shake your head and is is anyone awake in the leadership of the American left? Is anyone in the Democrat Party recognizing that they're crazy is not flying well in the American public? I mean, I'll give you a few examples, but I want to make my points about really things aren't as bad as you might think by the fact of this list. But some examples she has, calling someone an illegal alien, using the words illegal alien in New York City, can bring you a fine of up to half a million dollars. you know that? Because illegal alien is offensive. Even if our, you're not a citizen, so you are an alien, and you don't have a legal right to be here, so you are illegal, if you say illegal alien in New York City, now this at the moment applies to only federal, state, local officials, I mean uh, employees, so it only applies if you work for the government in some way. But a quarter million dollar fine for calling someone an illegal alien. Um, Well, third trimester abortions of fully formed babies are illegal. A violent anarchist group that beats up people is called anti-fascist or Antifa. Up to 100,000 illegals cross the border monthly, bringing with them MS-13 thugs and narcotics. Democrats call it a manufactured crisis. I mean, I don't even, I may come back to this story because it was so It really helps you recognize how extremely crazy the left has become, but actually why I found it helpful, and one of the points I want to make to you in kind of wrapping up for today is this. What used to be really, really fringe ideas in this country, really fringe, crazy ideas, like there are 72 genders. This is a left-wing talking point. There are 72 genders that preschoolers should be taught the LGBTQ indoctrination agenda that we have it is morally virtuous to fail to impl- enforce our immigration laws to have sanctuary cities where law does not matter it is a morally virtuous thing to abandon the border to have no border security at all to have and they actually this person listed a few things about Canada also which i didn't realize that Justin Trudeau was just reelected his job before this was a substitute drama teacher I mean, how serious could the people of Canada be electing a substitute drama teacher? Um, They have, uh, (laughs) she has, anyway, I I want to get to my points about them. The left pushes a lot of crazy on America. I think one consequence, why it seems worse now, is that it used to be when you had crazy, wild-eyed theories, most of America... Both political parties could listen to them go, whoa, that's the way out there. That's the way out there. You know, that's you. We are here in the American playing field. The left in America today, and by the left I mean the cabal of Democrats who run the Democrat Party, who shape their policies, who shape their platform, who are the spokespersons for the Democrat Party, the Democrat Party has embraced the crazy of the left, crazy outlier theories are mainstream Democrat views now. That's one thing that's changed. The second is we have institutions in our country, the media, the government, Hollywood, institutions of every kind that embrace the crazy instead of saying, this is crazy. And so I think we're at a time where we have to really be willing In my view, we do not get ourselves any favors, any benefit by pretending that these crazy ideas the left stands for are actually correct. It does not help the cause. It does not help preserving America to just pretend that the stuff they say that is crazy that somehow belongs in the American political conversation. My last quick fact point before I turn to why it matters to you for today. There was actually a great thing that I had not um, focused on until uh, recently and it, was, it involves a study of Twitter. And, you know, Twitter is a place where people get, you know, they talk about the Twitter mob, going to come down on you. I'm going to tell you one thing about Twitter. Just 6% of the U.S. adults who are on Twitter, on Twitter, 6% of U.S. adults account for 73% of political tweets. Again, on Twitter, 6% of American adults account for 73% of political tweets. And they are leftists. They don't approve of Trump. So I'm getting around to saying, in closing, before I go to uh, why it matters to you, is Just because these crazy ideas get treated as normal in our country, in our culture, just because you can have people earnestly stare at the camera and say, oh, yes, there are 73 genders and murdering your your perfectly healthy baby after it is formed and born is a form of protecting women's equality. I mean. It's the uh, issue after issue after issue after issue. The left has gone crazy and they embrace the crazy. And you, the American people, are the ones who can stand in the way and point out actually sane America, majority America, rational America still sees the crazy, still rejects it. We still understand that America is important and great and unique. And we're still going to defend it against all of the You can't even call it extremity. I keep using the word crazy. I should think of a new word. The moral idiocy of the American left has nothing to do with real America. But it takes people like you and like me speaking up and saying so to help more people recognize actually the world hasn't gone crazy, just the American left has. Now, my friends, I want to talk with you about why the stories we talked about today matter to you. And so, our first story we're going to have the Baghdadi killed, yay. Uh, Washington Post exposed Americans must continue to wake up. The mainstream media has not just a bias problem, it has a moral vacuum problem. Baghdadi was a vicious, bloodthirsty murderer, beheader, and rapist. There is no conceivable concept of piety with which he should be associated. For the Washington Post headline writer and editorial approvers to put into print, the characterization of him as an austere religious scholar is simply vacuous. It is the dumbed down influence of moral relativism taken to his logical end of complete moral idiocy. President Trump will kill America's enemies if necessary Victims' families and American patriots love him for it. On Sidney Powell and the latest Flynn filing and why it matters to you. Powell's latest allegations, implications in the filing, falsifying the 302s, the forms where you fill out to say what the witness actually said. This is deliberate deceit by the FBI, DOJ. It is criminal behavior clappers okay of the leak and the media follow-up the kill shot on Flynn this is evidence of coordinated conspiracy with the media as complicit to take down Flynn as part of the coup was Flynn threatening an audit of the intelligence community another thing they would never want to face the case is teed up for Judge Emmett Sullivan to dismiss and drop the hammer on the conspirators implicated in the Flynn case is the judge strong enough I don't know the answer to that and will the deep state intimidate him And that, my friends, now we have truth under siege in America. We have Dem's growing panic. There's oh so so sorry, I skipped one. Dem's growing panic over a Durham investigation. McCabe drops his wrongful termination case. Good thinking. Uh Barr takes pains today to emphasize Durham's bipartisan record of integrity. Dems screams about Trump is using the government against political enemies. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Nobel Peace Prize for crazy hypocrisy lunacy. The new gold standard for hypocrisy, irony, and projection. Their assumption that the American people do not see their nonsense or what it is, is a world record measure of -of out-of-touch condescension. It is simply mind-blowing. And finally, truth under siege in America. Americans must take a stand and refuse to live under lies. No, Islam is not a religion of peace, and Sharia has no place in America. No, there are not 72 genders. Allowing men to compete as women, which we haven't even talked about yet today, but didn't today, but is insane. Prescribing puberty-blocking drugs to aid gender reassignment for children is straight out child abuse, period, full stop. And no, socialism has never worked. It will never work in America. It has no place in America because it denies individual freedom and individual rights. And that, my friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Please tune in every Monday through Thursday, 3 p.m. Central Time. Love talking with you, love hearing from you. Email me at Talk at gmail.com. Please like this page on Facebook, comment, share it. I love to hear back from you. If you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to our page. I love your comments there. Listening, watching on Twitter, love to hear from you. Please retweet this entire show or any segments of it you'd like to retweet. And thank you so much for listening. To America Can We Talk where I always talk truth about America because America matters. Talk to you tomorrow. Voice voice, like can you America Can We Talk Truth About America